1: to get that sort of activism in the song it was you know like what what's like what's the point of my lips if they don't make noise so like an idea of like why have a voice if we aren't using it to speak out against injustice
0: welcome to switched on pop i'm songwriter charlie harding and I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Today we're going to speak with Justin Tranter, one of the most prolific contemporary songwriters. Justin's written many of the songs we've broken down on the show. Justin Bieber's Sorry, Janelle Monet's Make Me Feel, Selena Gomez's Bad Liar, and Julia Michaels' Issues, with who he collaborates frequently. Yeah. Justin is more than just a songwriter, though. He's also a prominent LGBT and gun safety activist. He serves on the board of GLAD, and he uses his songwriting platform to advocate his politics and to boost marginalized voices. He's prolific, thoughtful, and instructive on how someone can embed their activism into their work. So, Nate, and I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Here's our conversation with Justin. Justin, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, in your Twitter bio, you are songwriter activist and today i want to talk about both of those sides of your wonderful music and i think what we're going to see is that they are inseparable yes but let's let's jump in and talk about your music first because that's what we always want to do on the show sure you uh are coming today with a song that you've co-written with dua lipa called swan song it's the end credit of Alita Battle Angel, and it serves as both a pop song and a film score. Correct. So hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So let's just dive right in and take a listen to that. Okay, cool. The flick of burning, you know the time is running. <laughs> That's fun. Well, thank you. So I just want to start and ask what is a swan song?
1: Swan song is uh, I think the end of someone's career. So right. or the, their their final moments. Swan dive, swan song, it's like your your yeah. final moment. For me watching Alita, this is definitely a song 100% written for the movie. So I saw the movie first. I was a huge fan of the anime. Mm. And to me it was it's just this Woman, cyborg, whatever we want to call it, this brilliant character yeah. of Alita, kind of comes into her powers and realizes through her history and through being true to herself that she has the power to change the world. Yeah, and so this is not her swan song. Yeah, this is not her swan dive. It's a new life.
0: So both you and Dulipa have gone on social media and talked a little bit more about some of the meaning behind this song. And she had said that this is not a swan song. Is about the fight for justice and that it's not just the beginning of the fight for justice this is this is an ongoing battle exactly and so i was wondering in the songwriting process if there were bits of sort of intentional thoughts about how are we going to embed topics of justice within this song it was very intentional so when i saw the
1: movie i was just so excited that i was like wait i get to like write a song and like this character is an activist like right we don't think of it that way, but like superheroes are all activists. They're like fighting evil. They're fighting wrong. And in Alita, it's very much like the rich live in the Sky City and the whole rest of the world, because the world's been destroyed. So the only people left are all dirt poor and live below the Sky City. Right. To get that sort of activism in the song, it was, you know, like, what what's like what's the point of my lips if they don't make noise? So like an idea of like, we all have a voice. What's the point? Like why have a voice if we aren't using it to speak out against injustice? Alita has this insane power. She knows this martial art form that only like has died. No one knows it, but she she knows it. Yeah. And she's this crazy cyborg that has her body has this technology that other bodies don't, that right. other cyborg bodies don't. Right. So she is has this extreme privilege. And as I always say, what's the point of privilege if you don't pay it forward? Mm. So to me, like Alita's the ultimate. Privileged activists using her privilege for good, huh. and then also we we say in the pre-chorus is very much inspired by ACT UP, which was the from yeah. the 80s and it still exists today, but started in the 80s uh, HIV and AIDS activist group that ended up saving millions mm. and millions of lives with with yeah. their with their fight and their motto was silence equals death. Yeah, and so that idea of you know staying quiet's the same as dying. So we're, we're tried to find yeah subtle ways to really infuse. Activist history in into the song.
0: That's a beautiful moment. I want to take a second and just play the pre-chorus so people can hear sure. that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I obviously seen many posters with "silence yeah. equals dying" and people protesting. Yeah. Silence um, equals death. Silence yeah. equals death. Thank you. Yeah. What what a fun and special moment to have that reference in there.
1: Again, who knows what's going to happen at radio, but right now it's like top 20, I think. So yeah. like to have a song that's for a movie and a movie song getting on radio was very difficult to do because you have to serve the movie. You're not mm. that oh, has course, to be your priority. Right, right. But the fact and then the fact that we're referencing Act Up in a pop song is pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> and then for Dua <laughs> to be so cool yeah. and really let people know what the song is about and where it's coming from. I think is even... It, to me, that makes me so proud. That, yeah. you know, the best new artist just won the fucking Grammy for best <laughs> yeah. new artist is talking about act up. Yeah. <laughs> my job is done. Like, I can quit. <laughs> like, that makes me feel really good.
0: And, and so often people might want to be precious about their lyrics, and, or not even being precious, but may yeah. want to say, hey, why don't you just hear what you want to hear in it? But yeah. I think it's even that much more powerful that you all are saying here, no, here's what's actually going on.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you. It makes, to me, it's, it, it's one of my proudest moments.
0: So I heard some other moments for me that that had that sort of call for social justice within mm-hmm. the music and I want to play some of those clips and see if those are you know were those songwriting choices how did those come about so the first thing that we heard was actually in the very beginning of the song in the intro which we didn't play yet so I want to play that clip really quickly. Cool. It's like rousing battle cry. There's this percussion that is almost like warlike, and you, you can feel huh. like people are like going out to march or something. Yeah. You can hear people sort of chanting something in the yeah. background.
1: When you're writing for a movie and you writing the end title, like you have to have that transition in mind, right? Which is such. Again, as I said, that's my first time. I've written songs for movies before, but never like the song. You know what I mean? It's like you're writing for a scene, or you know, I, I had I did Lego yeah. Batman, I did um, Instant Family, but like it was. End title is a—it's a, it's a much different thing, right? You—you right. you have to try to embody the movie, and you think about those transitions
0: and. Yeah, that first note. I mean, you get the. Dun, 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 yeah, which is that, from that the just score. Grabs you. It's a—it's yeah. a, a hook in and yeah. of itself, and then the rallying cry, and it's, so it's a perfect right. transition. Sort of screen goes blank. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And The music continues the narrative. Yeah. I, I worked very
1: hard for this opportunity and for sure. this whole process, from. The music supervisor, Dave Jordan, who was unbelievable to work with, to then Dave Jordan introducing me to Junkie XL, which was a dream come true. And who soundtracked the he he did the score and uh, we sampled a piece of his score.
0: That's what I I was wondering about Uh, that because those strings are so beautiful. Yeah they sound like real strings, but they're chopped off.
1: At the end, that's all it's all from his score. So we sampled a couple moments from his score, Matt Man and Robin did. So that it really, really when you watch the movie and then it plays, it's like a whole other level. Of magic, and then mm. you know, definitely had to play the balance of, of trying to create something that can live in the pop world but really serves the movie. It was a whole other process that I've never been through before,
2: yeah. Right? So it has to make sense in the context of the movie
0: and then be able to be removed from that into the wider world of pop 100%. That is tough. So I, yeah. ma- I imagine, obviously, referencing the score is helpful, but also its orchestral qualities give it both a score-like sound as yeah. well as a pop sound. And you, yeah. Because it, it, I feel like those samples from the orchestra almost have like a trap aesthetic. Like you hear those mm. same kind of orchestral hits. Yeah, never um, thought of that,
1: but you're right, yeah.
0: You can hear this on the radio and it works, or you can watch it in the film and it works.
1: Yeah. We wanted to definitely make it feel like from the, from the get-go that it continues the thought and that feeling of Alita just winning motorball yeah. and like staring up at the sky being like, you know, I'm coming for all of you. Interesting. Which is so, a quote from Battlestar in case anyone was nice. really what <laughs> 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 uh, it was uh, it's um President Rosalind says it. She says, Fuck, what is it? Like I'll I'll use every bomb, yeah. every weapon down to my eye teeth. I'm coming <laughs> for all of you.
2: You're really uh showcasing your sci fi credentials it's, here. It's yeah. there. Yeah. It's very <laughs> wow. serious. Yeah. I mean like that's what's so interesting about this song right it's always working on two levels it's working on that dramatic movie level and then yeah. it's working on that just like I can listen to this as a pop song not knowing the
0: context of this at all yeah. and enjoy it I think it would be incomplete to talk about its role as pop song without diving into the chorus let's do it this is nice so even here in the course i'm hearing this continual call for a fight for justice and one of the ways that i think maybe even Nate you you first noted was the declamation changes the declamation being a fancy word for the pacing of the words yes <laughs> and uh i was like we... i
1: i have a degree in songwriting and i don't even know what declamation
0: is
2: our motto is like never use a simple word when a more complex one <laughs> would, would work on this show i, I mean it yeah. seems to be working for you so. i want to
0: apologize for my pretense um but we go from this pre-chorus where Things are getting faster, won't stay quiet, silence is the same as dying, and then all of a sudden, this is not a, this is not a... Yeah. Swan. 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 Yeah. It's such a dramatic shift.
1: It's dramatic as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I love drama, one. And and two, on purpose, we definitely have the track feel a a little more minimal. Of course, you have the big string hits, but then besides that, the track's pretty minimal there on purpose so that it can... At least try to exist in pop realm. Mm-hmm. It is very dramatic and odd for a pop song, yeah. because again, the first, the main purpose is to serve the movie. But one of the ideas and, and one of the conversations I did have with with all the filmmakers mm-hmm. was like, we got to pull back on the chorus a mm-hmm. little bit if we want it to mm-hmm. exist in the current pop landscape. Sadly, we're not, we're not in a "My Heart Will Go On" era right now. <laughs> um, yeah, sure, I sure. wish we fucking were. Like, yeah, us yeah. You know, maybe I'll try, but. Um,
0: <laughs> it's a powerful moment it actually reminds me a little bit of like um what happens in Charlie Puth's attention mm. where the song is sort of like building building building, 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 building and then and you pull and you pull back yeah Ooh, and now I'm all upon you what you expect
2: but you're not coming home with me tonight you just want attention you don't want my heart
0: but here it works so well because you, you're it feels like, like again a sort of a call to arms yeah, and this sure. is something that i want to chant along to it has that that like stadium anthem yeah. quality that it's just the voice more or less.
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you. That's what we we're going for. And then also too, we're always thinking about highlighting the different sections of the songs by making sure there are rhythmic changes and making sure that the melodies start mm, in different parts of right, the phrase. Right. And, um, that's things that we talk about quite frequently. So whether it's a song for a movie or whether you're trying to create a call for action or whatever it is, no matter what it is, we we are having the conversations about the rhythmic changes, the melodic changes, the the changes in the, in the phrasing, the changes in the pacing, to make sure that each section complements each other, and then that the chorus can really shine.
2: Hmm. One moment I think is really effective in that respect is that phrase "swan song" because you might expect it to come in on the downbeat of the measure, yeah. where it would go, "This is not a this is not a swan right. song <laughs> or something like that." Yeah but instead it doesn't it you you wait for a moment that yeah. first downbeat is just empty this is not a this is not a space and then swan. right it's it's very hooky yeah. at the same time but it's also like slightly surprising
1: yeah i do also just i love you know screaming on the two of a chorus yeah. <laughs> it's worked for me before it'll work again nice but- <laughs>
2: that's great we should have, we should have like a wall of songwriting <laughs> you know maxims yeah. that'll go on there Screaming on the two I, of the I, even, I actually
1: haven't even thought about it until now. But yeah, oh. like, Pain, made me Oh yeah, Imagine
2: Dragons, believer, yeah. Believer,
0: totally. You a um, Believer as well. Co-wrote. Co-wrote, I mean, yes, yeah, of course. D-
1: Dan Reynolds is one of the best writers yeah. in pop music, yeah. so I can't really. That's super interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, pr- I'm sure that was his melody, because he's fucking amazing. I, I can't take credit for it, but another song I was a part of that, Sure. Know. Scream on the two. Scream <laughs> on the two. <laughs>
0: Justin, scream on the two. Chanter. I like that. Maybe, maybe there's like some Illuminati yes. just like go digging through all of Justin's songs. Is this, is this I, your secret signature I that I we've think been missing all I think those are
1: along? the only two big ones that yeah. do it, but I'm sure there's more.
0: Maybe for, for folks who aren't um, as familiar with songwriting, mm. um, you're, you're talking about the importance of of creating these contrasting sections and sort of yeah. mixing up the rhythm, mixing up the melody. Hmm. When that's not done well, what is the effect?
1: Um, the effect is, or I'll say, like when, when like you're like, fuck this, like verse and this pre feels so good, yeah, and then the chorus is a letdown. Uh. Um, normally, if you then you go and look at at the, I, don't, I hate to say the math of it because that takes away people hear math and they think it's no longer an art form, but right, like right. if you look at like the the nuts and bolts of it, it's probably because. The phrasing is starting on the same same place as your pre-chorus does, yeah. so that way it doesn't feel the, your chorus isn't getting a lift. It doesn't feel any yeah. different because you're starting in the same spot, or you're using too many of the same notes, right? like a piano is an easy way to look at it. Like you're, yeah. you're playing the same three notes on the piano over and over right. now. It might be in a different rhythm or it might be in a different, whatever. But if you're using those same three notes that you, in the chorus that you're using in the pre or two notes or five notes, whatever, if you're in the mm. same area, yeah, it's just not going to feel like a lift, but then there always are exceptions to those rules, you know, like, good for you Selena Gomez me and Julia are working on that and as I've said many times and I'm happy to say again you know J- Julia is definitely another one of those writers I work with where she's leading the way this is Julia Michaels, who's Julia one Michaels sorry back. I'm there to elevate and support what you know what she's doing like, Do because nice. I, I just want to look With Good For You, the majority of the song does melodically exist in the same range. So right. as I was to what I was saying before of like, right. if your chorus isn't feeling good, that's probably why that the notes are in the same range. But there are exceptions to that where it will work. But if you look at the rhythms of Good For You, it's the rhythms that are making it good for you good for you when you when you have that hooky rhythm you can get away with the fact that the notes are kind of in the same range mm. and it really lets you put a super focus on Selena's amazing vocal tone and on right. our really fucking weird lyrics right. <laughs> um in that song so that's again another on on purpose of like if you want the listeners to get through a really really weird lyric yeah. you, de- you know it can kind of help you to have the melodic range be in the same spot.
2: Each song kind of has its own it's logic. own set you, of rules yeah, but and the
1: kind of the math of it all is only used when we run into a problem. Mm. When like the, yeah. the natural flow of what came out it's like, fuck, that verse is so good, but everything else isn't working. Why isn't it working? Let's yeah. look at it. Just math, really, time. Math, <laughs> yeah, math time. Math time with Justin Tranter. <laughs> Which, I mean, when it comes to actual math, I'm the last person you should ever talk to.
0: So the, you actually just made me realize one of my favorite lyrics in Good For You is connected to that rhythmic vocal quality in the chorus. There's the lyric, I want to syncopate my skin to your breathing. Mm. I've never heard syncopate used that way. Yeah. And, I thought, and then the rhythms are syncopated. Yeah, yeah, Good. yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Syncopate my skin oh, to. Oh, right. Uh, then that's the actual right. word is syncopated too.
2: Text painting. Yeah. <laughs> Ching.
1: Yeah, which is if anyone's interested in the best text painter ever, yeah, Patty Larkin is the greatest oh, at yeah. it in the whole world. Patty
2: Dude. Larkin. Whoa.
1: She's that's the
0: a best. Deep tip. Cool. I
1: would consider her like top five greatest songwriters
0: yeah i want to evoke this idea of swan song this is not the final battle yes and use this as an opportunity to transition to talk more about how uh, you embed your activism throughout other parts of both your life and your music yeah and i wanted to start by asking is the idea of queering pop music an important part of your mission
1: well important part of my mission is to just be honest Mm. and, and to encourage everyone that I work with to be honest. Yeah. I think if, if I had to pick like my greatest skill as a collaborator, it is creating confidence in the room and it is Mm. creating the artists that I work with and the writers that I work with to be brave enough to tell some very, very real truths. And so for me, any time, you know, these songs are almost never about me. Right. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm there to serve somebody else, which I never thought would be my favorite thing to do, but yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. But it also, I didn't start writing for other people until I was about 33, 34. So yeah. that also, you're at an age where you're like, yeah, I this cannot yeah. be about me and yeah. that's right. okay. So even though the songs are about them, if I want to be a good collaborator and I want to contribute lyrics that feel real, I need to be thinking of my own life. Right And my life is queer, you know, not to keep talking about good for you randomly, but like yeah. good for you is a great example where that Julia, 100% led the way on that song. Mm-hmm. I'm there to, to elevate focus, support, obviously co-write, but it was her idea that I was lucky enough to help. Yeah. Mm. And for me, it, I 100% when she brought up the idea, I was thinking about an ex-boyfriend of mine who like really, really, you know, if you Google me and you like Google Justin Trainer 2008, you're, you know, <laughs> I looked really fabulous and crazy <laughs> and insane. And, my boyfriend at the time like the more femme i looked the more he loved that Mm -hmm. and so for me this idea of this song about you know getting all dressed up and blah blah Mm -hmm. blah, the way that i was able to relate to it to to julia's amazing idea and to contribute honest in an honest way was from a very very queer perspective and a Mm -hmm. point of view and a very queer experience Mm so queering pop music it's not like it's a specific mission, but the yeah. mission is to be honest. Yeah. And so if I'm working with a queer artist, it's to, to give them the confidence and the strength and to give their management and label mm. the confidence and the strength that mm. that not only is diversity an honest diversity, because yeah. obviously queer people, our diversity can be invisible if someone is straight right. passing hmm. um, or cis passing if it's a trans situation, that diversity and honesty not not only is the right thing to do for culture and for society, but right. it actually You know, I think it's finally in the movie business what's proving to make money. Like, diversity fucking sells because people relate to honesty.
2: Hmm. Despite that, is there... Because I think when some people think of pop music, they think of not honesty. They think of, you know, something very manufactured, something sort of corporate, perhaps, and something perhaps even avoiding any sort of realness, real political engagement or something. For sure. Either, like, in your own experience or maybe just more conceptually, like, do you think about how to deliver that honesty in a way that is still pop or that is still, like, sellable or something? It's,
1: uh, I mean kind of the only way I ever think about that is like in terms of the chorus and it's Uh, not just about like political messages or queer messages or whatever it is it's about any story you're trying to tell you know I think Taylor Swift is an amazing example of you know one of the best pop writers of our time even when she was writing country music it's It was popular, so it's pop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. which of course a lot of songwriters do. I just use Taylor as an example because she's amazing, and obviously we we all know we all know a couple Taylor Swift songs. So just a few, just a whole catalog, few hundred. Um, Fearless is one of the best albums of all time. Okay, moving on. So I am with you. Her verses would be so fucking specific. Yeah, and like I do not know what it's like to be a cis woman. with a gajillion dollars, (laughs) but she's so specific to her storytelling that I would always relate to Mm -hmm. every fucking second.
0: I'm really gonna miss you picking fights and me falling for it, screaming that I'm right. And you would hide away and find your peace of mind with some indie record. That's much cooler than mine.
1: But then you get to the chorus and it's a chorus that of course the lyrics are amazing, but they are general enough that we can all get on board. if someone is telling a very specific story, whether it's queer or political or just about a relationship, yeah. a, a straight, normal, cis relationship, I always think, let, let's find a way that the chorus can really just sum up the whole story and be really easy to digest. And so I, I think about sometimes like, verses are for the super fans and choruses are for everybody. You know mm, what I mean? That's so like, great. Yeah. So that's the only way I think about it. It's not in a way of like, how do we like soften this message mm-hmm. for the to like slip it through? It's like, how do we make sure people can
0: You, you, you took part last year, or maybe that the writing was the year before, in one of the most just spectacular songs of the year, which was Make Me Feel well, by Janelle Monáe. Thank, you. Yes. thank, thank you. you very much. Give it a name, spell it out for you. All of the feelings that I've got for you. Can't be explained, but I can try for you. even just from a a sonic textural point of view it sounded so different but obviously it had an extremely powerful and sort of potently queer message within it within the song there's this fantastic moment where she sings about being a sexual bender and and that moment she bends her voice through the entire I think she walks down the scale in ways which are not actually uh, in uh, a 12 tone scale yeah there's nothing better that's just the way you make me
2: feel. It's, it's, some microtones that's, in that's there.
1: A, that's the Julia Michaels special I can't mm. take credit for that um, that's a, yeah. but the, and what's funny is is which is why music is so fucking awesome yeah is that to us it's she's on a sexual bender. Like right. not a sexual, not like she's bending sexuality. Like she's, she's like, like when you go on a bender for the weekend sure, and you drink sure. too much. And yeah. that's t- it, to yeah. us. It was that version of a bender. Wow. Huh. But yeah. the majority of listeners hear it as, as like, sexual, which to me is gender bending. Is fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah. I yeah. mean,
2: yeah, that's like such a good example of what you're talking about too, where you, you can have these songs that can be mega hits and that people can sing along to the chorus and not necessarily think about. You know, it's meaning, but then yeah. in other ways it people can can take that material and reinterpret it and inscribe their own meaning. Yeah. Make collectives around
0: that. Yeah. You also worked on Bad at Love. Yes. With Halsey, which also has a story of lovers of multiple genders.
1: Yeah. Got a girl with California eyes, and I thought that she could really be the one this time but I never got the chance to make a mind because she fell in love a little thin white lines. London girl with her eyes. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe I'm
0: Another great example of sharing your activism within yeah. the music.
1: Well, again, it's just the goal to be honest. Yeah, right. And hopefully one day being honest about Halsey being, and I can say bisexual for Halsey, mm-hmm. because she definitely identifies as bisexual, yes. shouldn't be viewed as activism, it right. should just be viewed as I'm telling you my fucking story. Right. But yeah. it makes me very proud yeah. that, you know, that song, I think it went to number two on pop radio. Like that's a pretty amazing moment wow. for for queer kids to hear. You know, I say all the time when you know pronouns are so important because yeah. the first time I ever heard someone use a same-sex pronoun in a song was Ani DeFranco. Mm. Yeah. Tell you the truth, I prefer the worse to you Too bad you have. I think you two are forever I hate to say it but you're perfect together
2: so fuck
1: you and your untouchable face
2: fuck you for existing in the first place and who am I
0: that I should be lying for your touch you So who am I I bet you can't even tell me that much
1: and imagine if Bonnie DeFranco was on the radio because yeah, it, yeah. it changed right. my life right. it saved my life it created a community for me and my friends to, you know, all obsess over Ani together. Yeah. My favorite memories as a teenager all revolve around Ani Draco. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and I think that it's sometimes very hard for straight people to understand why it is so powerful. Yeah. Because to them, it's just, oh, well, it's just a song. Like, who cares yeah. if he said he or she? And it's like, but right. every song has been right. for you. Right. Yeah. And I, of course, love the amazing straight artists in the world and the straight songwriters and i can listen to their songs and relate to them and connect to them and i think it's time that straight people listen to our songs with our pronouns and they connect to them as well um and so for halsey to prove that that is possible Mm. yeah and what's even crazier is most people didn't even notice
2: Uh, that is crazy that is what's so funny is that like
1: everyone's so terrified (laughs) and yet like Halsey did it. It was a huge fucking hit. At the time, it was her biggest hit that yeah. she had. Obviously, now the current song yeah. blew us out of the water. But, um, <laughs> but Amy, Amy Allen's fierce and uh, Halsey's one of the best writers in the world. But yeah, it's like nobody
0: cares we're sort of talking broadly about more top 40 and sort of b- music on the billboard within pop cuz obviously there's people making music from a queer perspective that yeah. are not represented in the top 40. But I'm curious, are you hearing anybody bringing in non-binary pronouns into pop music?
1: I mean, it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to to work on almost all of the B Miller album that's coming and everyone be very prepared. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. It's one of my favorite things I've ever been a part of. Yeah. It's, it's fucking nuts. And we say some shit there. <laughs> I think we do use they, them, and theirs at some point yeah. in the yeah. song, but we say some other crazy shit <laughs> to where we yeah. even call ourselves out. Like, yeah. I want to... Never mind. I can't give it away yet, but what am I doing? I almost did that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another really big artist that I've been working with a lot, have and, and working with currently. Yeah. Who we 100% um, use it, they, have them, and theirs in it. But I can't give away who that is. Cool. It'll be okay. even more
0: so exciting when it just happens. Yeah. But we're basically saying like 2019 mm-hmm. is, a, is a powerful year that we're going to hear some music. We're going to hear some shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's
2: exciting. Do we want to do a little classical masters or should we keep, what keep, is classical keep bar- barreling <laughs> ahead? I
0: want
1: to know what that is. That sounds great. I guess we have to do it then.
2: Yeah, we have to. <laughs> Okay, so let's set the scene. It's the late <laughs> 1700s. You're Franz Joseph Haydn, the, mm-hmm. the great classical composer, and you're in the employ of uh, the the Prince of Esterhazy. So you're like As a member of his royal court, and you're basically there to like su- supply symphonies on demand. Mm. And it's been a long time that you've been at the prince's like kind of rural court away from the city and your musicians are starting to get uh like really anxious they miss their their wives frankly they're like we've been here like we've been here way too long we got to go home and see our families so Haydn is i mean clearly he and the prince have a close relationship because he basically writes this kind of like a, a, a protest symphony really which is very unique in the classical repertoire Um, So if we just listen to the very end of the symphony, this is what the prince would have heard and seen. He would have heard one by one, the instruments uh, of the orchestra take a solo. So right here we can hear the French horn taking a solo. And now the symphony continues but what the prince would have seen is the the french hornist would have finished that solo blown out the candle that was illuminating his music stand stand up and and walk, away. And walk out <laughs> <laughs> Dope! and one by one the other musicians do this they take a solo huh. they they blow out their candle and then they, oh my and God, then they walk I love off it. and that's why the symphony number 45 is called the farewell symphony and it's why yeah. the next day the prince sent the entire orchestra home <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to hang out with their families I love that. a little labor protest yeah. yeah exactly That's a little organized awesome. labor protest so I guess all to say that you know from Haydn's Farewell Symphony to Swan Song you know musicians yeah. have been finding ways to put subtle messages of yeah. protest and of liberation into their music
1: <laughs> I'm so glad we did that that was amazing <laughs>
0: And what and what do you and what do we have next Charles? <laughs> <laughs> I recently met with this really wonderful songwriter named Dee Orchada, who is non-binary and Latinx from a duo called FBGM out of Boston. And they make music which they describe as both genderless and genreless. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Which is really fascinating. And one thing that Dee told me about that I never really realized this, is how every single night when they perform, mm-hmm. they need to make the conscious choice of whether or not it's safe to come out to the, to, to the audience. Yeah. And I was curious from your perspective – what kind of additional steps need to be taken in the music industry to make it safe for queer performers and performers of all identities?
1: There's a couple layers there because, like in the touring space, yeah, the music business, meaning basically everyone that works out here in L.A., yeah, there's nothing they can really do. It's right, it, that's so more of a, a and... venue space. That's more of a cultural space. You know, a whole lot has to change. You know, sure. in my old band, so many precious weapons. You know, I I was living my life, you know, I do identify as gender nonconforming, and th- I was very visually uh-huh. living that truth in, in mm-hmm. for many, many, many years. I mean, I still do live that truth, uh-huh. but, like, I looked crazy. <laughs> um, full makeup, yeah. you know, and I, crazy amazing. Yeah, yeah, full makeup, yeah. 5 o'clock shadow, 6-inch heels, like, all day, wow. every day. And so, you know, touring and traveling, um, it's tough. You know, if if we were in a city where it was – we could actually sell the room and there was a lot of people. I always felt safe, Yeah. but we have stories of, I mean, crazy shit of, of mm. during shows of people threatening, threatening me during wow. shows, oh even in like some bar in Vegas. It happened once, you know, wow. and yeah. it happened a lot in the South that I lived in New York every day was facing, Verbal violence mm-hmm. and a couple days a month there was a you know a actual physical violence or a threat of physical violence. And yeah. so um that's a hard question because mm-hmm. it's just there's it's so much has to just do with culture and society that makes it sure. unsafe as a touring performing musician. Yeah. But then when it comes to the actual business, I think it's it's just about labels not being afraid to sign people that are living very different di- what they view as different lives and it's tough though because there is the endless question in in music is like but who are they who's going to relate to them and that's just the dumbest question ever because good stories are relatable. everybody is yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. good stories yeah. are relatable and so it's a tough thing because it's a very very passive homophobia transphobia, femphobia, phobia, however we want to, queer phobia, however you want, whatever phobia we want to use, it's very passive because you'll have yeah. um, executives who are extremely open minded, yeah. mm-hmm. who have many queer people in their lives. But when it comes to signing that, then they go, oh, fuck, I don't, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is it going to work? Is it going to blow? Is it going to? And the, the advice I always give is that, you know, it's not just when it comes to diverse people it comes to any musician right now, like because people can make so much noise for themselves on the internet, it's very rare that someone's going to sign someone who just like doesn't exist. Right. Artistically, creatively. Right. Right. And so for queer people, people of color, any sort of marginalized people, like it's the only advice that I can give to them is, is make as much noise as you can on your own. And then labels will be desperate to sign you because well, it's it's a business it's money yeah, and so yeah. labels are already looking at white straight male artists that way of like but what are they doing yeah what are, how what are they done on their own that's already happening right there so of course it's going to happen way more f- for marginalized people which is unfair and there Fuck. there are that is it's fucked and it shouldn't be that way but that's the only way we're going to win this battle
0: one thing I really admire about your work is you do a lot to boost up and coming performers. I try my hardest. And, 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 it's and, fucking hard though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one of the, well, one thing you're doing is you're you're launching a new label. Correct. Called Facet. Yes. Will you say a little bit about what some of your intentions are with that label? And I've yeah. already
1: signed a couple people before this like official company was formed. So yeah. I have Shia Diamond. Mm-hmm. Who we partnered yeah. with Asylum. Yeah. She's a trans woman of color yeah, who has amazing, amazing story. Yeah. Thank you. She's. I mean, I, I can't take credit for her, but I'm. Thank you for appreciating her. Her voice is insane. Her songwriting is insane, and then uh, West Period. We partnered with Interscope on that. Mm-hmm. But now with this official company, my publisher Katie Vinton and I decided to like live our dream, live our truth, and start a company together. And you know, a lot of song songwriters and producers after success will start imprints or start labels. And right, if I was gonna do it, I wanted to really fucking do it. Hmm. Yeah. and so I need someone to who knows how to run a business. And um, She's a star. And she, you know, Katie's the one of the best yeah. there is and you know, she's the only reason I have this whole career. You know, when when the band started to fizzle out nobody fucking cared about me. She's the mm. one that made all this happen for me and so we can't announce who we're signing yet sure. to that new venture, yeah. but um it's really exciting and and our goal is to just it's all based on fucking talent. Yeah. And the people that we are signing are not typical signings at all, yeah. you know, whether, whether they're, you know, they're not 19 sure. or whether, or whether they're marginalized or divert Like we're.
0: Justin, yeah, so are you saying that I have a chance? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, no,
1: no. you be, every time I say that everyone's like, Oh, so I get to be a pop star now. I'm like, no. 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 Um, but yeah, we, you know, it's just to lead with music first yeah. songs first we're yeah. song people you know and i of course want people with crazy fucking visuals who push all these boundaries but like it's got to start with the songs for us mm. because she came from publishing i'm a pop songwriter yeah. so i wish i could tell you more more juicy details but it's coming the information's coming no, this soon. is
0: great the suspense is yeah. <laughs> even better Yeah. a lot of what i'm taking away from our conversation together is that you describe yourself on twitter as a songwriter and an activist yeah. and for me those things just collapse together in just good storytelling. That yeah. that what I'm what I'm hearing consistently is that your job is to get stories out of other people, to, to create spaces for people to be able to tell their story, whatever yeah. that story might be, without censorship. <laughs> and I think that's a beautiful message to to be sharing. Well, thank you. Before we go, yeah. one of the things that we do for a lot of our episodes is put together a playlist of things related to the episode. So yeah. I, we actually worked with that artist, Dior Chado, who I was mentioning from FBGM, who helped seed a playlist of artists who are helping queer pop music. I mm. wanted to see if there were any particular artists within that realm that you wanted to shout out to add to that playlist.
1: Well, Shia Diamond, of course. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to... Th- my, of course, my mind goes blank in this moment when all I do <laughs> day on Twitter is just talk about queer <laughs> yes. artists. Um, Vincent is an amazing yeah. queer uh, man of color who... Is, I think, the greatest one of the greatest singers alive. Any song you want to shout out? Remember me, the vocal on that is, is, is fucking insane. Yeah. I think he's one of those people that he's like, you know, two seconds from cracking his own code yeah. and it will just take over. It's like wow. Whitney Houston level singing. Wow. Um, where, like wow. technically, it's crazy and then the emotion is there. Because a lot yeah. of times, yeah. like the music theory question, yeah. if, the, this, if the singing is too technical, it doesn't have the emotion and he's one of those amazing voices that can do that. Yeah. That's another great, great, great queer Wonderful. person and a queer person of color, which we need cool. much, much more of
2: in the music business.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having great. me. This it's was, was so fun. Talk. So much fun. Yeah. yeah. I
2: learned a lot.
1: What did you learn? Let's, scream, let's, let's, yeah. let's review this.
2: Scream on the two of the chorus. <laughs> uh, Patty Larkin, best text painter in the business. Yeah.
1: Um, I told him the dog wouldn't run is maybe the best example of
2: it. And music theory is great, but don't
0: let it get in the way. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, what did good you start, learn. tell good stories. <laughs> well, I, <I'm>, I, <laughs> I love this. You get to be the honorary professor. Yeah, of, I'm loving it. The main thing for me is realizing... How a song needs to subvert. There ego subversion is essential to great songwriting, mm-hmm. and yet there's this at the same time you need to tell your story. Yeah. And so there's this this need to figure out how do you serve the idea that song which might come from yourself but not force too much of yourself into the song at the same time, which might be, hey, I don't want like
2: uh, well protest in the verse yeah sing along in the chorus yeah, yeah right? totally right
0: and and like but like so much of my early songwriting was can i get like 17 chords in this thing <laughs> yeah. and how's oh it is gonna work and, and i thought it was really exciting and yeah. no, nobody cares i was
1: the word. i was like i'll never just play like a major chord. <laughs> <laughs> like if you th- you can find a couple songs on youtube of yeah. like my early solo albums yeah um which is just me in college yeah. and yeah. it's like it's like why <laughs> why like not everything yeah. has to be as fucking sus yeah blah 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 i was like obsessed with sus too forever that's all i would play
0: <laughs> i'm working with uh some, some folks right now on an album just the most talented keyboardist i know yeah so talented one of the hard things when you get really good at your trade is you you can lose the layperson's reference to the thing that you're doing yep so you can be like i'm just gonna do a Progressive house reggae trap song. <laughs> and unless like all those things are happening in popular consciousness and yeah. like, they happen to work together, it's really easy for someone who just has studied everything yeah. to voraciously throw in references. It's true. But then it has no actual there for average 100%. listeners. 100%.
1: And I think it's just like, you know, if you're making music for musicians, that's a problem. Yeah. Right. That's hmm. when the shit gets in the way. Yeah. If only a, someone with a degree in music can understand what you're doing. <laughs> that's not I mean good for you hallelujah but like I don't want to hear it (laughs) (laughs) thank you Justin so much fun
0: we are super excited to announce that Switched on Pop is now a production of the Vox Media Podcast Network woo woo so now we've got some new people we get to shout out, which is really exciting. So Switch On Pop is now executive produced by Nishat Kurwa and Allison Rocky, production by Jillian Weinberger, engineering by Brandon McFarland. Our community manager is Sarah Terry, and I wanna say thank you to Curtis Chan and thanks to D Orchata. You can check out their music at fbgmtheband.com, and you can find their playlist on queering pop music in our show notes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram
2: still at Switched on Pop, and you can send us your thoughts and recommendations
0: there. We are also very excited to announce that we will be taking the show weekly, which yeah. means that we will see you again in a week. There we go. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.